This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions. Now, we usually record before a live audience in Melbourne's CBD, but today's episode isn't recorded before a live audience. Instead, I'm in the City Bible Forum office in Melbourne. Today's big question, does the Bible really provide a better way to live? My guest today is Graham Hooper. Graham has worked for over 20 years in senior executive roles with a global infrastructure company. He has worked in some 20 countries around the world. He's the author of two books, Undivided, and a new book, A Better Way to Live. And he joins me now. Welcome, Graham Hooper. Good to be with you, Rob. Welcome to Bigger Questions, Graham. Thank you very much. Now, you've worked in 20 countries. Is that because you're on the run from the law? Uh, No, happily. (laughs) Happily. uh, I've worked in the infrastructure business. Uh, Someone said people in that business is a bit like soldiers. You go where the wars are, so you go where the projects are. Okay, and you've been – obviously, there's lots of projects in 20 countries. Yeah, yeah. So do you have a favourite country or city that you've been to? One of my favourite countries is Chile. Mm -hmm. I I love mountains. Yeah, well, so I I absolutely love – we've had – We've been to Patagonia a couple of times. I absolutely love it down there. Yeah. So to kick off bigger questions, we also like to ask a couple of smaller questions as well. We do try to have a bit of fun on the show. Now, today we're talking with Graham Hooper about if the Bible really provides a better way to live. So, Graham, I'm going to ask you a couple of smaller questions today about poor choices. Mm -hmm. Now, do you feel qualified? Uh, Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Question one. Now, the internet is replete with pictures of people who have made poor choices about tattoos. And now this smaller question is about a girl who wanted a tattoo, I Love David, which is her boyfriend's name, in Hebrew on her back. Now, she didn't speak Hebrew, so she used Babylon translation software to translate. So the question is, what did her Hebrew tattoo end up saying? Was it A, I love David, it worked? Was it B, I despise David, it didn't work? Was it C, I love Graham? for obvious reasons, perhaps. Or was it D, that Babylon is the world's leading dictionary and translation software? I would go with D. And it sounds like the sort of mistake that, <laughs> Well, that's, that's true. That is actually correct. It is actually D, yes. Now, I suppose it's not as bad as the man who wanted to have the Chinese symbols for live and let live on his arm but ended up with the Mandarin for sweet and sour chicken. Right. Um, actually, another guy tried to translate his last name to Russian using Google Translate, and instead of Botokrov, it says no translation. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, so I suppose if it's a tattoo, it's a poor decision that stays with you for a long time, isn't it? Uh, indeed. Yeah, you've never had a tattoo? I haven't had tattoos, no. <laughs> I, I did have a business card once translated into uh, one of the Chinese languages, and when I presented my business card to someone in, uh, in China, they laughed. Right. And I said, what's so funny? He said, ah, oh, they have translated it, Hooper, very old man. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Anyway, question two. Enron Corporation was a U.S. energy company which went bankrupt amidst systemic fraud, corruption and scandal in 2001. Now, which of the following was not one of Enron's core values? Was it A, communication, B, respect, C, innovation or D, integrity? Well, big corporates like Enron would typically have all of those probably as their corporate value. Let's go with D, integrity. Well, you have to be careful about answering D mm. for two questions in a row. I do. Because yeah. uh, it's not correct, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> Let's core... go with A, communication. <laughs> it was actually C, right. innovation. Innovation. So okay. their core values were communication, respect, excellence and integrity. Right. Um, anyway, so Graham, you got congratulations, you actually passed. Thank you. You got one of our two smaller questions right. But uh, do you think that Enron executives made some foolish decisions though? 
Well, I think history says, yes, they did. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. Hindsight's always a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yes, it is. When yeah. we make foolish decisions. Yeah. It's interesting. It would be interesting to understand a little more how they got to make those foolish decisions, whether it was a series of gradual events. I'm not familiar particularly with the uh, the events closely, so uh, yeah. that would be yeah. interesting to know. It does seem somewhat ironic that they had integrity as their yeah, uh, core values, and yet it was a massive scandal which um, put the company under. Indeed. Well, I think if you looked at all the, uh, the core values of several major corporates, you'd find uh, integrity on that list. Right. Uh, and having core values is one thing, but driving them down through the organisation and making them a reality it is another. It's much, much harder, yeah. Mm. Now, Graham, you believe that the Bible provides wisdom on how to make wise choices in life. Now, you claim that it um, provides a better way to live, the title of your book. But before we think about that, we're interested to hear about why you believe the Bible is even worth following. So, Graham, what convinced you to be a Christian believer? Um, While I was in my early 20s, it was a time when I'd pretty much discarded religion in any any form. Yeah. Did you grow up with any religion? Um, Yeah, I I, I went to church as a kid, and um, I think I gave that away when I was about 14, as soon as I was old enough to vote with my feet. (laughs) And um, I went out to work in the East African bush in a game reserve in Tanzania. Mm -hmm. And as I was packing my gear to go out there, I was looking for a book, a little hardback that would press flat photos of my family. Mm -hmm. And I found an old prize I'd been given at school when I was about 15. It was a a New Testament in hardback. So I just stuffed the photos in there and didn't think about it. And when I was in the bush, I lived in a tent. I had a lot of time to think and read. So I opened, um, I found this Bible and I started to read. And uh, perversely, I I started at the end in the book of Revelation. Right, okay. Probably most Bible students wouldn't recommend. (laughs) So what made you want to read it? Um, Well, I'd started reading some William Blake poetry. Mm -hmm. William Blake was a very interesting poet. And uh, uh, I started thinking about bigger issues, about life and death. Bigger questions. Bigger questions, exactly. (laughs) Thanks, thanks, Rob. Um, So I started reading Revelation and and I remember reading the words... uh, um, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the beginning and the end, the Almighty. Mm-hmm. And those words kind of leapt out the page at me. I started to think, you know, there is a God who made it all and will end it all. Mm. And that's the framework for life. Yeah. And that really gripped me. And um, in what I believe was the, the, the perfect timing of God, about two weeks after I'd started to read, I had a 36-page long letter from a former hippie friend who had no <laughs> okay. Christian background at all. Yeah. And um, he, he uh, told me about Jesus. Yeah. Uh, the, and he said in the, in the letter, which I still got somewhere in my archives, uh, Graham, if I never asked you anything again, I ask you to pick up a Bible and start reading. Wow. And I already had. You already had. <laughs> so that was God's timing, yeah. I believe. <clears throat> now, you worked in a major infrastructure firm. So how could the Bible apply in the modern working world? I think the most basic thing there is uh, Paul's words um, in uh, his letter to the church at Colossae, uh, where he says, you know, whatever you do, do it as if you were doing it for the Lord. Yeah. Um, and that's a very powerful concept. Um, so even if you've got a difficult boss... Even if uh, it's a bit of an irksome task, it means you give it the best you can. You do it as if you were working for the Lord. Right. And um, when I looked at that, I found that Paul had written that to a church which included slaves, which is really the most demeaning, purposeless job that we can probably imagine. Yeah. So if it could apply to slaves, how much more should it apply to me in the in the privileged position really of having a, a, a job in professional services. Mm, mm. Uh, it affects the way you treat people, 
the relationships you have with your clients, with people. Obviously, your standards of integrity. It affects the the effort you put in. It affects the whole way you behave mm. in a mm. practical sense. Mm. Now, in terms of wisdom or a way of life, uh, your latest book, A Better Way to Live, focuses on two specific parts of the Bible, the Psalms and the Proverbs. So what do those books mean to you? Well, they've become very good friends <laughs> yeah. to me. Um, the reason I, I got really interested in them was why I, I actually bought a little new little volume of New Testament with the Psalms and Proverbs at the back. And yeah. It was like an A5 in size. I bought it for a dollar, actually, yeah. uh, a second-hand shop. And uh, I could stuff that in, um, in my luggage. Uh, it didn't weigh much. Yeah. So I, I carried that with me wherever I went on work travels. And I, I really started to look at... Psalms and Proverbs as two books going together. <clears throat> um, you know, Psalms speaks very much to the heart as well as the head. It engages the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of emotion in the Psalms, fear yeah. and joy yeah. and uh, worry and, and, and anxiety and all these things. Uh, and, and Proverbs seems to be uh, a little bit more black and white, if you right. will, you know, a little bit more uncompromising. Yeah. Uh, this is the way to live. Yeah, uh, there's a right, there's a wrong, there's a wise, there's a foolish. Mm. So the two go beautifully together. Mm, mm, you know, I, in, the in the crude, emotion with the wisdom. Yeah, in crude terms, I, I think of it as Proverbs speaking to the head and the Psalms speaking to the heart. Right, and that's an that's obviously an oversimplification. Yeah. So what exactly are the Proverbs and Psalms then? Yeah. Well, the, obviously the, books in the Bible. What are? What yeah, are they? the Proverbs are really full of wise sayings. So mm. you you could read it at one level as kind of a an ancient version of all the modern self help books. You right. Can, you know, you can buy at the <laughs> Airport bookstore, you know, yeah. how to live well in this world, how to yeah. do life well, as people say. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot, you could read it as very pragmatic wisdom, but underlying the whole Psalms is is the uh, the phrase that recurs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. So to live a truly wise life, it's not just about doing the right thing. Yeah. Uh, it's about understanding that there's a God who made it all. Right, right. And that, and that there's a reverence, there's an awe owed to the Creator right, okay. God. And, in some ways, when you're connected to that God, then life makes a bit more sense. Well, life starts to make total sense right. because, uh, you know, to jump over to a psalm, yeah. one the, the, the Psalm 14, I think it is, says, uh, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, yeah. which is how much of our society chooses to live today, saying right. there is no God. Yeah. Uh, but then you've got to make sense of life and death and find a purpose in yeah. all we do yeah. without God, yeah. which I believe is impossible. Yeah. So, and in your life? That's how you've managed to find purpose and meaning through reading the Psalms and the Proverbs? Yeah, and well, also as, as part of the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. But those, those two books have become um, particularly close friends. You know, I think uh, an ancient writer, Athanasius, in the fourth century, said that while a lot of the scripture speaks to us, the Psalms speak for us. Mm. Mm. So many people turn to the Psalms and they find there a prayer that they can say today, mm. albeit in ancient language, sometimes in poetic language. Mm. They can identify with the Psalms because the Psalms psalmist writers were saying lord i'm in desperate trouble lord i'm afraid lord i'm worried um, lord i've got a lot of things stacking up against me right now mm. i don't feel you're there i don't feel you're answering my prayers you can find all those emotions expressed mm. in the psalms and they're things that you've found comfort yeah, with at different yeah, times or? yeah certainly certainly yeah. well in proverbs wisdom is contrasted with foolishness as you've mentioned mm. this contrast is described in proverbs chapter 9 by two different women one named Wisdom is depicted as a noble patroness and the other Folly as a pretentious, unruly woman. So what choice do you think the Proverbs is offering here? 
Well, it's a very um, graphic picture, and I do love proverbs like that because proverbs cause a spade a spade. It, yeah. it presents really graphic pictures too. You've got two houses, one saying, come this way, come mm. this way, uh, foolishness, and the other one inviting you, come this way, wisdom. So you're presenting with a contrast, and some, uh, Proverbs does that right throughout. You know, wise, foolish, hard work, laziness, yeah. uh, honesty, uh, cheating, faithfulness, unfaithfulness you know so and it presents us with choices yeah and that's the way life is we're making choices all the time mm, mm. so you know proverbs under god gives you some wise wise counsel yeah. for making good choices in your life obviously you you stuff up sometimes yeah, i was going to say so, so that means that, that someone under god can never make a bad decision no no of course we we, we make mistakes we're, we're sinful i think that's one of the things that took me a few months to work out after i first became a christian but it, it's very obvious when you start to even think about you what know, do you mean by sinful is that when you look at the bible and it tells us that god set standards for us mm. well and that standard is is really is very high it's very high it's, i mean it's the lord jesus christ it's perfection then obviously we all fail. Yeah. So we need we need forgiveness. We mm. need a new start. We need a, a recreating power in our life. Mm. Uh, mm. You know, we need a reno, a makeover. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the difference then between a wise and a foolish decision? Mm. A wise decision is one that has good outcomes and is in line with the character of God. Mm. A foolish decision is one which takes you away from God mm-hmm. and usually has adverse impacts for yourself and others. Mm. Now, wise decisions can have adverse impacts on yourself. If you make a, a stand for integrity and you get fired, mm. it's an adverse impact, but mm. you've made the right decision. Mm. 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 So what about getting a bad tattoo? Is that a wise or a foolish decision? <laughs> I'd leave that to personal choice. <laughs> <laughs> so then how does following God help us to make wise decisions? There's a, a beautiful verse in Proverbs that says, Trust in the Lord with all your hearts. In, mm-hmm. and in all you do, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a very much loved and oft-quoted phrase, but a tremendously powerful thing. So as you go out to work each day, you commit your day to the Lord, you trust him that he'll help you make good decisions, that you'll deal rightly with people. By nine o'clock, of course, you could have stuffed up quite badly in a number of areas, mm. but you can keep going back to the Lord through the day. He's, he's promised to be always with us. He's promised to, to listen to our prayers. So it's, it's, a, it's keeping in touch with God each day. If I give you one illustration of that, when, when I'm away from home on business, I love to ring my wife first thing in the morning. And, you know, just talking to her makes me feel better uh, right. for the day that I've, re- I've joined that relationship. Yeah. And I go out to work feeling better. And it's a little like that, I think, if I start the day talking to God in prayer, yeah. I go out to the day better equipped right. to face the day. Yeah. So then why is following God a better way to live? Well, I think you've got to look at the, the big picture. Um, how do you make sense of life? I was reading about the late George Harrison recently in the Beatles, his final interview. Yeah. He basically said, I have to understand what happens when I die. Mm. It's ultimately the only thing that matters. Yeah. So uh, having an eternal perspective, how can you live a life making any sense in this world? Right. Um, you know, with all the, the evil, the death... The, the uncertainty, it gives you a framework to make sense of this life, that there is a God and, uh, you know, as we live under that reality, then um, that is a better way to live than living in a world of unreality. Mm. Mm. Well, let's maybe consider a couple of the choices that Proverbs sets out before us. Um, 
What about integrity and dishonesty? Now, Graham, have you ever seen dishonesty in business? I, I did work for an organisation once, and I won't go into detail for obvious reasons, where the, the chairman and the CEO went to prison for fraud behaviour. So what happened? Um, well, they, they were running a scam in terms of house purchases where they were buying houses for the organisation at inflated prices and then getting a kickback. Right. So right. There, there is that sort of gross um, corruption. But, I mean, what's the matter with that? I mean, if isn't that the way business is done in some parts of the world? Yeah, it, it is. And um, that's where you, you have to decide where you make your stand, don't you? Well, in Proverbs 11.3, it says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Now, if you consider some of the major corporate scandals, such as the VW emissions scandal or Enron's fraudulent management and accounting, then does this proverb ring true, that the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity? Yeah. Well, I I mean, I think there could be a a more serious long-term implication, eternal yeah. dimension to that in the text. But, yeah, look, it's it's very sad, isn't it, when you see a, a top politician, a top businessman... Mm. Like the who, CEO and chairman of the firm you worked for. Yeah, indeed. And and uh, they do something stupid, corrupt, and it destroys them, destroys yeah. their reputation, destroys their family. Uh, often the, their marriage breaks down. There's a tremendous price to be paid. Um, now, of course, some people cheat and get away with it yeah and uh, again the, the, you know, the bible is so real in those events the psalms are full of questions to god like lord why do you allow that to happen yeah why are the bad guys the evil seemingly prof- getting away with it yeah, yeah. and uh, you know what's the point in me going on being honest when these guys are, are cheating and getting away with it yeah it was ironic that the enron company values included integrity yet it made a series of choices which really didn't demonstrate that so you're saying that Proverbs encourages just more than lip service to these ideas? Yeah, I think Proverbs is... The, the Bible is is, a, is very real. The Bible is earthed in everyday life. Yeah. Proverbs said, look, if you're going to play around with, with fire, you will get burned. Yeah. Don't be a fool. So it's got a very pragmatic but element do, to it. But do you need the Bible to tell you this? Surely this is just kind of common sense. Well, it is common sense. And at one level, as I say, you could read Proverbs and say, oh, that's just common sense. Self-help guidance. But actually, Proverbs makes the point it's very uncommon. Right. That wisdom, it says, is like rubies. It's like a precious jewel. Of all the qualities that we respect in people today, you know, we respect uh, sporting prowess, we, we, we adore celebrities, we, we respect... Um, you know, business success, but wisdom doesn't seem to rank very highly mm. on our list of must-haves mm. for, for people. You know, mm. I, I can't recall, I've done a lot of job interviews, but I can't recall ever having wisdom as one of the criteria <laughs> yeah. for, for the job. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, people use the term emotional intelligence today, which is an element of wisdom, I think. Yeah. Wisdom, according to the scripture, uh, does begin with a knowledge of God. And so with that knowledge, hence, because you're connected to something greater, to a God who in many ways made the world, when you live in line with that, then life will just kind of go better. Is that part of the way? Life, it's a framework for doing the right thing. Mm. I think if we have the whole Bible in our hand, uh, the Bible's very direct, that um, if you stand for right, if you st- and particularly if you stand for your faith, in yeah. many countries today, you will have a bad time. Mm. It doesn't say life will get easier and <laughs> no, better. No. You know, I mean, Christians have been persecuted for 2,000 years. Mm. So, no, life won't necessarily get better, but it is the right way to live mm. because it's the way God has set out for us. Mm.
Now, according to your book, you claim that the Bible offers a better way to live by encouraging faithful relationships. Now, Proverbs encourages marital fidelity. For example, Proverbs 5.20 says, Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? And it also goes on in Proverbs 6 to warn that marital infidelity will lead to disaster. Uh, Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Now, have you seen the negative consequences of adulterous decisions? Undoubtedly. And this is a, a massive thing in our society at the moment, you know. Um, I think that what the uh, the point made in Proverbs particularly now, I think throughout the whole Bible, is, is, is not the, the, the sexual sin per se, it's the unfaithfulness. Right. Because the Bible reveals faithfulness is part of the character of God. Right. And so in a person who claims to be a godly person or seeks to be a godly person, you expect to see faithfulness in that person. So it's the breaking of the faithful agreement. that That's the real problem. The real problem. And then the outcomes, the consequences of that? Well, obviously the consequences of it's massively hurtful. Yeah. Uh, it destroys marriages, destroys families. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of regret and remorse going around usually afterwards. Mm. It sounds a bit like that the Bible is just a bit moralizing, like a bunch of rules that you have to follow. Is this the way of life that Proverbs presents? No, not, not, not at all. It's, um, in that sense, it's a bit like the, Jesus' is what's called the Sermon on the Mount, his teaching in Matthew. You have to see it in the whole context of um, God wanting a relationship with us. Right that there is a God, and saying, look, this is the better way to live. Yeah. Uh, now, you you have the choice to accept that or not, or you can make up your own rules for life, which many of us do now, or you can ignore it completely. Mm. The Bible says that this is the Creator saying to us, this is the way I'd love you to live. Mm. So this is the way of the life that Proverbs offers. It does sound a bit like a better way to live, but what if we make mistakes? Well, that's a daily reality isn't it because <laughs> right, we're, yeah. we're flawed we're yeah. flawed people yeah. and and the bible most of us in life have a feeling that we're basically good people with a few flaws yeah um and when you start to think seriously about the holiness of god the, the person of jesus and our own life we we quickly realize that's not the situation we're yeah. actually fundamentally flawed yeah that uh, we, we fail you know we all fall short of god's standards and yeah we're actually turning against him all the time but the thank god there is forgiveness i mm. mean that is at the core of the christian good news mm. it's not a rule book it's mm. not a, a, a way of a moral code right yeah. it's this is good news and 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 we can be forgiven mm. now you had golf with an insurance salesman one day oh, where this yeah. sort of topic came up tell yeah. us what happened yeah well i met this guy and uh, i turned up just to play around on my own and we, we joined up together on about the first tier and um we were chatting and uh, he was trying to sell me an insurance policy after, <laughs> okay, right, after yeah. about the fourth hole was about the, the last the back nine I think we we started talking about deeper things yeah and he he stopped and I remember on one of the tees and he said uh, you know Graham God could never forgive me because I've been unfaithful to my wife I said no not not true you mm. know I mean you look at stories in the Bible the way Jesus forgave Peter mm. who you know, had done the, probably one of the lowest things we could think of. He completely denied knowing his closest friend, uh, broken his promise, let him down in his, when he needed him most. He'd failed every test mm. of mateship and friendship that we hold dear. And Jesus forgave him. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, that is the good news. Mm. 
So that's what's the Bible solution? The Bible solution is there is forgiveness. We come to God in honesty. I think honesty is, is, is a fundamental thing in Proverbs. It's there in the Psalms. It's so honest. And uh, it's in the character of Jesus. He was totally honest. So we, so we, we go to him and mm. we, we ask him for forgiveness. Mm. And the scripture said the reason he died was not an accident of history. Yeah. It was in, in the purpose of God. Uh, as a sacrifice for our sin, mm. that he was somehow, in a way it's hard for us to understand, carrying our sin when he died, mm. and he took it away. Now Psalm 32 begins with this statement, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin that the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. So why is forgiveness such a blessing? Because it's like a load lifted off your back, mm. you know. I mean, even if you have a fallout with your closest friend or with your wife or husband or a partner, you know, you feel pretty bad. Usually. Yeah. You feel, uh, you know, you might feel anger, you might feel resentment, but you're going to feel bad. Mm. And then when you apologise, when you put it right, sincerely, then there is, how do you feel? You feel great again mm. there is a great like a load lifted off your back mm. and uh, that's what forgiveness is like mm. and you realize you start each day afresh this is one of the most powerful things you know yeah. jesus died and rose again his his power gives you a new start each yeah. day would this have been good news for your insurance salesman it was yeah no i i, I never saw him again so right. uh, i've no idea what happened to him <laughs> right but uh hopefully now, there was a period in your life when you doubted that you were really forgiven. Mm. How did you resolve that? I started to picture it as um, a bit like sitting in my house, worrying whether the house had foundations. Yeah. And, and I sort of pictured myself, you know, digging down beside the house, looking for the strip footing on which the bricks were resting, mm -hmm. and finding, yes, it has got a foundation. Mm -hmm. So I, I started going back to the Bible more and more. How did I know that I was forgiven? Yeah. And uh, I, I got a very simple logic out of the Bible that went something like this. Jesus Christ died for sinners, point one. Point two, I am a sinner. Therefore, <laughs> yeah. point three, he died for me. Yes. Uh, pretty basic logic. And that was reassuring. But it was like, yeah, it was. And it was like, uh, it's about simply digging down. It, has my house got foundations? Is this all real? Mm. Yes, it is. So, Graham, you said that you found a framework for life in the Bible. Does the Bible really offer a better way to live? I, I believe so, absolutely. I mean, um, there are a lot of choices out there uh, in life, aren't there, for us like a smorgasbord, you know, yeah. you could go, and, go and take your pick. I think the Bible reveals God to us. Yeah. It, most of all, it reveals Jesus yeah. to us, as that's what God is like. Yeah. And I think if we start to waver around these things, then go and have a look at Jesus. Right. You can't negotiate Jesus away. You can't explain <laughs> him away. Yeah. Even the most anti-Christian people who would look at the life of Jesus saying, that is a great way to live. What a person. Mm. And so why is the Bible offering a better way to live? Because it brings us back to God. It gives us purpose in life. gives us the answer for, for time and eternity. And uh, it stops us making a complete mess of our life now, <laughs> hopefully. And when we do, even if we do, even if we do, it offers us a new start. There's forgiveness. Which is forgiveness. Let me leave you with the Bible's answer to this big question. Does the Bible really provide a better way to live? Psalm 32.5 Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed 
is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Thanks very much to our guest today, Graham Hooper. Thanks, Rob. Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash biggerquestions.